is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Send me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd speak to us, that you would impact our hearts, that you'd inspire our minds, and that you would change our lives, that you would bless us, that we might be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. We're here because we believe there's a spiritual side to life. Amen? We're here because we're Christians and we're believers, and that means by definition we are a spiritual people. Amen? We believe that there is such a thing as spirituality, that there's more to life than just iPods and eBay, that there's a spiritual side. Amen? Amen. That does not make us different, distinct, or any different from the vast majority of people, it seems today. Spirituality is big news. Spirituality is in our culture. Many people today have a form of spirituality. They may not accept Christ. They may not gel with the church. But they believe in spirituality. But you have to ask yourself the question, what kind of spirituality do we have in our world? It's all about getting away. It's all about looking within. It's all about getting into your herbal bath with your candles along the side and your beautiful Celtic music. No offense to Andy. It's all whale song and uh, new age stuff. You know, like Orca the Whale sings Enya, stuff like that. (laughs) When my um, wife was expecting our first child, we had to go down to the health center to be checked out. And uh, you go to these antenatal classes. And I was expecting some kind of medical information to help us prepare. How will they help us manage the pain of childbirth? When I say us, I mean her. Are they going to teach us the Lamar's method or the Bradley technique? What is it that we're going to get? What's the latest thinking in the medical spheres? We got into this room. We were told to sit in a circle on the floor. And this woman, this NHS woman, took us through this exercise. She says, I could tell you about the medical stuff. I could tell you about the scientific stuff. But I'm not going to. I'm going to take you through a spiritual exercise. Because we're all spiritual people now, aren't we? She said, I want you to close your eyes. We all closed our eyes. She said, I want you to breathe deep. We're all breathing deeply. She said these words, true story. She said, you are the weeping willow. Your leaves blowing in the breeze as you take in the wind and the air and the essence of your own oneness. Breathe deep. We breathe deep. She said, you are the spindly silver birch reaching up to the sky of your own self-sufficiency, able to accept any pain that childbirth may bring. Breathe deeply. Or breathe deeply. She said, you are the mighty oak, your roots pushing down into the dark, loamy soil. You feel the sap rising within you. I was feeling the sap, all right. (laughs) And that's what we were given. Spirituality, the world's kind of spirituality, which is all about looking in. It's all about indulging yourself. It's all about getting away. It's all about listening to calming music. Flipper, 
plays the pen pipes. You know, it is, it is the mentality where spirituality is all about how we can do things for ourselves. I remember it didn't really work out that way. In the delivery room, my wife is screaming out in pain and agony, trying to get rid of, well, give birth, I should say. <laughs> give birth to this child. I don't know what to do. I, I'm just, I fall back on my training. I, I grab hold of her hand and I said, uh, you're a tree, you're a tree, you're a tree. She turned to me and she did shout. She looked at me and she said something along the lines of, dearest darling, please stop calling me tree and arrange immediately for the immediate infusion of hard medicinal drugs into my system. Thank you, my darling. Or words to that effect. I mean, we went for everything. Lumbar puncture, the epidural, the IV drip. She had more tubes going into her than the London Underground. The spirituality that the world has is bankrupt. It doesn't work. It is a spirituality which tends to be, by and large, focused on me. How can I withdraw? How can I take in something for myself? How can I get away? How can I leave the world behind me? How can I draw from within and how can I look at the needs that I have and how can they be met? And it's a self-centered, self-obsessed kind of spirituality. The thing is that we in the church, we can fall prey to that kind of spirituality if we're not careful. That our spirituality is no different to that of the world. It's about how we can take in, how we can be blessed, how we can separate ourselves from the hurt and the pain and the brokenness of the world. How we can withdraw and enjoy sweet spiritual communion with the one that loves us. And there is, don't get me wrong, plenty to be said for that. But if that's all it is, then there's no difference between us and the world. And what Jesus gives here in Luke chapter 4 as he reads the scroll from Isaiah 61, he gives us a kingdom spirituality. He says, this is something which is bigger. This is something which is better. This is a spirituality which is not simply focused and located on myself, my own needs. But this is a spirituality which is bigger than that and it is better than that. And yes, we are blessed, but we're blessed to be a blessing. Amen? And Jesus, as he lays down the manifesto for his kingdom, he says, this is good news to you. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's good news to you. But it's bigger and it's better than that. Because it's not only good news to you, it's good news through you. Turn to the person next to you and say, good news through you. And let's look at three areas that that applies in. First of all, it's good news to you and good news through you about the grace of God. You have to ask yourself the question, why is Jesus so antagonistic to these uh, people listening? He comes back to Nazareth. He's had about a year of public ministry. We don't have much of that recorded in the Gospels. John gives us a few glimpses into that. But we know enough to know that Jesus has been out there and he's become something of a celebrity. He comes into the synagogue it's a small little village, Nazareth. There's probably regularly 20, 30 people in that synagogue. 
Maybe today there's a lot more because Jesus is something of a local hero. Local boy, done good. But Jesus seems to antagonize these people. You have in the translation, it says that all were amazed and spoke well of him and testified about him. And then you have Jesus saying, yeah, I bet I know what you're saying. You're saying, physician, heal yourself. Well, I'll tell you about this. And then Jesus seems to launch out against them and winds them up so badly that they bundle him out of the synagogue and they try to push him off the edge of a cliff. And you ask yourself, what's going on? And in a word, it's grace. I think we need to look at the way in which the Bible actually uh, translates the things that we have from Scripture. That Luke, as he records it, he says that the people all testified, literally, marturia, that's the Greek word. I know a little Greek. He's got a kebab shop on our high street. <laughs> but the word marturia is the word that we get witness from. It means to bear testimony. And it's, it's, a, it's a word that can be applied for someone or against someone. And then it says they were amazed at his words of grace. Tom Wright, the theologian, translates that. He says, the people were astounded by the words of sheer grace that came from his mouth. And the reason that there was an upset is that Jesus was speaking words of grace. You need to understand that Jesus is quoting from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. And Isaiah, that he speaks prophetically. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the broken hearted, release for the captive, recovery of sight for the blind, to declare the year of the Lord's favor, the year of jubilee, when all debts are canceled, when justice is restored to the land. And then Isaiah goes on and he says, to declare the year of the Lord's favor, the year of vengeance of our God, the day of vengeance of our God. And for Israel, this was a people that had been oppressed. This was a people that had been held down. This was a people that were struggling. This was a people that had been overrun by enemy forces. And they were trying to do their best to follow God and go his way. And they had this hope from Scripture. One day God will bring jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor, where we, the faithful ones, will be set free the yoke of the oppressor will be cast off. And the best bit is the day of vengeance for our God. And whenever they read this in the synagogue, this is the bit that got the biggest amen. The year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. This is the time when the evil empire that has oppressed us will be cast down low. This is a time when the unbelievers will get what there is coming to them. And so Jesus reads a scroll. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The year of the favor of our God. And the whole synagogue is waiting for the next bit. The year of the Lord's favor. And, and, come on Jesus, bring it home. Lay it on me. Let us have it. The best bit. Go for it, son. Come to Papa. Let's have it. Come on. And, and. And Jesus stops. And Jesus stops. And he says, and, and nothing. And grace. 
Because it's grace that God longs to show, not just to those who count themselves on the inside, but for the whole world. Brothers and sisters, we need to get into the mentality of grace that God so loved the world, that God's focus is on the world, that God's concern is for the world. His words are grace for the whole of mankind, not just for us within the four walls of church, but for everyone. And Jesus goes to great lengths to point out how God's grace has been poured out on those that didn't deserve it, on Naaman the leper, who was the commander of the armies of the enemy that were oppressing them, that were spilling their blood, that were raping their women, that were carrying off their children. Even to that one, God's amazing sheer grace. Sometimes we get our focus on ourselves in our churches, but we need to know that it's bigger than that. It's better than that. It's good news to us, but it's also good news through us because of the grace of God. But secondly, it's good news because of the uh, fact that it is good news for the whole of life. When Jesus talks about his mission and when Jesus talks about what he came to do, he doesn't just restrict it to what you believe and to having Jesus as your personal savior. He says, it is for the whole of life. It is for the areas where you struggle. It's for the areas where you doubt. It's for the workplace. It's for the business arena. It is for the poor. It's for the brokenhearted. It's to bind up those that are mourning. It is to bring healing and health and hope to the brokenness of this world. Our baby uh, eventually was born. A couple of years later, we had another one. And uh, my wife, she asked me just to... uh, See if I could leave, be left with the children on my own for a little while. She had to go out and she said, look, I'm going to go out for half an hour. You've got the children, you've got the toddler and you've got the baby. Can you handle it? Just half an hour. Don't kill them. Can you handle this? I say, sure, I can handle it. You know, I'm not entirely useless. So I have to take care of my children. The, uh, the eldest, Zoe, she's fine. She's a toddler. She's a lot of fun. And uh, she's into music, so all you have to do is just find something musical. I mean, her favorite toy at the time was this blue star-shaped sponge bath toy. And when you filled it up with water and soap and squeezed it, it would sing this little tune. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Okay, you had the sponge as well. So I just found a little play keyboard and got her with that. The baby, well, baby's fine. She was crawling at that stage, but she could only crawl backwards, so I put her in the corner. She couldn't go anywhere. (laughs) I'm reading the paper. Life is sweet. Five minutes into it, I hear the voice of Zoe, the eldest, coming up, saying, Daddy, Daddy, toilet! Toilet. I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. Why now? You know, but, you know, your training kicks into gear. And you think about these scenarios that you've run and you've rehearsed and you've gone over. And uh, I, I go into action. I'm thinking, okay. Now, just to preview this, she was going through potty training at the time. So if you don't feel like you like where this is going, then just, just tune out, think happy thoughts. But I ran upstairs with her, and I, I took her to the toilet, and... Um, 
As I pulled down these little leggings that she's wearing, I realized that when she said, Daddy, Daddy, toilet, she wasn't telling me what she wanted to do, she was telling me what she'd already done. As I pull down these leggings, some other stuff comes down with it. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, come now, Lord Jesus, rapture. But I deal with it because that's what you do. And uh, I, I, oh, I take the, the leggings off. I run next door into our bathroom. I, I throw the things in the sink. She can deal with that when she comes back. <laughs> I, um, I run the taps of the bath. I'm doing my best. I really am doing my best. Run the taps of the bath. And uh, I take Zoe from the toilet next door, put her in the bath. And then I realize that I've put her in and she's still half dressed. She's got all her tops on. <laughs> so I think, okay, I need to take the tops off. Uh, I'm a man, I do things efficiently, she's got two tops on, let's take them both off at the same time. Yank. At that point, it gets stuck around her neck. I'm pulling and pulling and she starts to cry because daddy's strangling her. And so, in her panic, understandably, we then realised that what she'd started earlier, she hadn't quite finished. And now the bath is full of stuff and it is horrible. That I'm thinking of faking my own death and leaving the country. But again, I deal with that. I take, get the tops off eventually, take her to the toilet, get the toilet brush, clean the bath out, put the bath back on again, finally get Zoe, plonk her in the bath. I'm thinking, she's filthy, I need to clean her. I have the toilet brush in my hand. And I'm thinking, no, I can't do this. You know, 20 years later in therapy, my daddy cleaned me with the toilet brush. So I reach for the nearest thing that I can and I send it in there to do the dirty work and as I put it with the soap and just send it into this region of hell, I hear this amazing sound. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. And it's the blue singing sponge. And at that point, true story, I fell back. I'm in hysterical laughter. And all I can do is roll around the bathroom floor laughing and laughing. And Zoe points at me. And she says, Daddy's happy. <laughs> I say, yeah, Daddy's very, very happy. Come here. And I don't know what she will say in 20 years' time, but I know that for me it was a time that I saw something profound, that something that was awful and disgusting and horrible and we don't even want to dwell on it suddenly became this moment of joy and laughter in hilarity. And the blue sponge, not only did it clean up that image of my daughter with one leg in the air and nursery rhymes issuing from her nether regions will stick with me forever. But not only did the blue sponge clear things up, but it sang a song of hope and joy and beauty. You think I'm stretching it? No, you can clap. And Jesus says, this good news, it's for all of life. It's for the pain, it's for the mess, it's for the horror. That the Spirit of the Lord anoints us as followers of Jesus and as agents of the kingdom to go out into every part of the world, to go to the brokenhearted and the downcast, to go to those who are messed up, to go to the situations that look ugly, that smell to go to the areas of life in all of its complexity, in all of its brokenness, to take it into the workplace, to take it into the schools and the colleges, to take it into the streets and the market squares and the shopping centers. 
that this good news is, first of all, good news to us to bind up our brokenheartedness, but it's good news through us to touch those around us. And I want you to know this. I want you to know that God has chosen you. God believes in you. God has anointed you to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to release the captive. Some of us, we just think, it's too hard and I feel too inadequate. That's why we come to the final part of the story because first of all, it's about the grace of God, not just for the insiders, not just for the ones that did well, not just for the ones that kept the faith, that prayed the prayer, but grace for the whole world, grace for the whole of society, for the whole of culture. And it's, it's about the whole of life, every area, not just a quick fix on a Sunday, but quality family for the rest of the week. The whole of life, we allow the kingdom to spill out. But the final thing is it's about the spirit of the Lord. Grace of God, whole of life, but spirit of the Lord. Because if you're anything like me, you think about your own situation, and you think about your own neighborhood, and you think about the place where you work, and you think about the people that you rub shoulders with, and you think about the people that you see in the checkout at Sainsbury's, and you think about the situations that you go through when you're not in the spiritual environment, and you think, how can I respond to this? How can I be Jesus in these situations? And it's about the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus says, it's the Spirit that anoints. And in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, sons and daughters, old and young, that we all get to play a part in this great kingdom endeavor. Jesus anoints you. Jesus calls you. Will you go out? A few months ago, I was preaching in a church, and a woman came up to me afterwards, and she said, will you pray for me? I said, what's the issue? She says, I feel so full of pain and so full of hurt. I feel so broken, and it's ripping me apart inside. And she said, I'm coming to you because you spoke at at an alpha thing, and I, I started my journey back to God. I used to really be close to God. But I got so broken and devastated when my husband left me. And she said, Philip, not only did he leave me, but he started a new life with another woman straight away. And I just felt so replaced. I just felt so broken and so hurt. And right now I'm struggling with it. But then she said to me this. She said, but I want to pray for my ex-husband who made me a single mother, who broke my heart, who robbed me of my confidence. He said, I want to pray for the woman that he's now married. This person who has usurped my position, who has my children on the weekend. I want to pray because I believe that the gospel is about grace, about forgiveness, about jubilee. That the debt is cancelled, that it's a new day, that it's a new dawn. And I believe That it's for the whole of life, not just some spiritual exercise that I do once a week, but it's about my broken heart. It's about forgiveness. It's about my relationships. It's about the hard stuff. It's about the dirty stuff that needs to get cleaned up in my life. But there's the message and the song that we sing that goes along with it. She says, will you pray for me? And so we prayed together. We prayed for her ex-husband. We prayed for his new wife. We prayed for a healing and forgiveness and for the grace of God to flow. So I was back in that church a couple of weeks ago, just preaching on the Sunday morning, and this woman came up to me again, and she brought with her a friend, and she said, Philip, 
Will you pray with us? I said, what can I pray? She said, this is my friend. She said, I've taken her along last night to a delirious concert. I said, praise the Lord. She said, we went down to London, and as we came back, we drove back in the car. We got outside her house three in the morning, and she's been doing this out of the course because I brought her on it. And we, she said, listen, could I give my life to Jesus because I've seen enough, and I know that what you have is so real. She said, I've seen it in your life. I've seen the hope that you have, that you're so different, that there's the reality of God in your life. And so I prayed with my friend that she would become a Christian. And I'm bringing her now so that you can pray with us both and pray for my friend just as she gives her life to Jesus. She said, this is the woman that I told you about. I said, sorry, when did you tell me about a woman? She said, this is my ex-husband's wife. And... We prayed. I came away shocked. I spoke to my wife. I said, this is a story. This is what happened. And I told her about the situation before. And my wife is a really wonderful and, and gracious and loving woman. She said, I can't believe it. She said, that's so amazing. If you did that, I'd rip your head off. <laughs> that's what she said. Please pray for me. <laughs> and I watched these two women. And she turned. Her name's Annie. She turned to this woman. And she said, I love you. And the woman turned back. She said, I love you too. And then they embraced. And they cried together. And they kissed. And they prayed. I'm thinking, this is the kingdom of God. This is the sound of heaven. This is the laughter of the angels. This is the trumpet of a new age. This is what it looks like when heaven comes to earth. This is the word made flesh. This is the goodness of God landed down on planet earth. This is the reality that God has for every single one of us. This is the vision that we are to follow. This is hope for the world. This is the binding of the brokenhearted. This is the release of the captive. This is the grace of God that astounds and amazes. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And as the Father sends me, so send I you. And you feel like you don't have what it takes, but I'm telling you this, tonight God's going to do something amazing in your life. And you feel that the situations that you face and the scenarios that you're in are hard and difficult and intractable. And these are great stories, but could it happen to me? And Jesus says, yes, because I choose you. We're blessed to be a blessing. It's good news to us and it's good news through us. We need to ask ourselves the question, am I willing to commit my life to Jesus? Not simply to receive good news, but to be good news so that the good news of the gospel flows out through my life to touch the world that God has placed me in. God bless you.